Flood, I, I take from your appearance, which the listeners cannot see since this is a radio program, that you're not feeling well. <laughs> Still. Still, this has been uh, an ongoing thing for me. Is this what is commonly known as long COVID? It might be, but I don't think it is. Have, I you, don't... Been te- have you been tested? No. No, but I've been told I need to go get one. By who? People. Sheeple? <laughs> are, the, are these people or sheeple? Here's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing. And we've said this all along about the tests. Um, what, what benefit is there to being tested? Other than just knowing, okay, I got the COVIDs. Otherwise, like, they don't send you home with a care package. You don't have access to certain uh, protocols or COVID, you know, uh, treatments. They just tell you to, if you go get an official test, like at a at one of these testing centers, they just tell you to isolate for two weeks or 10 days or whatever it is now. But they don't do anything. You don't get anything special for it. You don't get anything that will actually help the problem. Like an I voted sticker? Right. <laughs> like there's no little treatment care packages that they should be handing out rather than expensive tests and that's been a common complaint vaccines. of a lot of doctors and i mean credentialed medical professionals in recent news credentialed medical professionals have all decided all all but one all, of them. all but one that we ostracized have decided that if you catch covid you will go home and die i mean Look, we sh- we should keep talking about this, but tangentially, just before we started, you were showing me a tweet from a an advisor of Kamala Harris. What's the correct pronunciation? Pronunciator in chief, Kamala, Kamala, you know, they, Koala, they, Koala they, Harris. They tried to change it up on us right after to the make election. you sound sound like a bigot if you said it funny. Yeah, and so I I don't know. It's Kamala, Kamala. Camelay. They they don't want the word camel in there, right? <laughs> camel uh. The camel's nose is in the tent. So there was a there was a tweet from who? Hi, my name is David Gins. I work for Vice President Harris on behalf of the American people as Deputy Director for Operations and absolutely love my job. Okay, hold on a second here. Just thought some of you should know. I love my job. Is that his first tweet ever? I don't know. Because that sounds like a, hi, I'm new to the internet. I, I will be posting from here on. Right. Or it sounds like a, help, I'm being held hostage. <laughs> Everything I say should be inverted. Well, that's the way the internet responded to 
to it. 99. Blink twice if Kamala's in the room with you. <laughs> um, lots that, of other funny responses. 99% of credentialed internet users have decided this post is a hoax. <laughs> right. Is a cry for help. I turned it into the this is fine meme with the, you know, the flames and the dog. Okay. But he's sitting at his desk saying, this is fine. There's a picture of Kamala in the background screaming at him. <laughs> it yeah, seems to me that if there's one way to tell the world you don't like your job it's to tweet something like that telling them telling everybody that i sure do love my job and of course you know kamala kamala is getting lots of bad press criticism even amongst the corporate press but in the in the alternative had, press it's pretty pretty bad that she's she's had a lot of staffers leave and i don't think anybody wants to work for her yeah some people would call her a real piece of work (coughs) well anyway my point in bringing that up is that things are not actually as they seem you were reminding us i think of uh and and today's maybe a good day to go through a little bit of a review i this isn't going to be this is not our year in review episode bobby has reviewed our predictions from last year but i have not our year in review episode which is coming up listeners this is a little short promo for (laughs) (laughs) the year in review episode which is going to be great because everything we predicted has come true except for the shooting oh wait a minute the crying wait a minute the weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth (laughs) no but uh but no this this would be a good point to review some of the absurdities around us such as pcr testing right because people have been telling you to go get tested and so what's that going to prove that you have a coronavirus in your system or right i mean i'm really not worried i've i've had uh the virus the rona a long time ago i think i've got lifelong immunity to whatever variants may derived be derived from that but uh doesn't mean i'm not going to get sick from something. And I sent you a link to an article uh, at brownstone.org. This is the Brownstone Institute. I'm not sure what that, what that it's, comes from or what they're... Uh, well, it's, it's founded by Jeffrey Tucker, who, we've, who I don't know if Brownstone replaced or he moved on from... He, he used to post at the American Institute of Enterprise something A E I E E. Oh, the Economic Institute of Economic Research or something like that. Something like that. American Institute of Economic Research. But Jeffrey Tucker's been really good on on all of this madness since the very beginning. So this is from a colleague of his, Ian McNulty, and he (laughs) writes an article entitled PCR Tests and the Rise of Disease Panic. And this is a really good review for the listeners. I'm not sure if, if. This is something we really want to spend a ton of time on today, but he goes through a little bit of the history of when PCR tests started to be used, and it started with an what they thought was an outbreak of pertussis whooping cough in uh, New Hampshire. Is New Hampshire the free state? Is that where the free state project is going on, or is that Vermont? I don't know. Are there any free states left? Do you know what the free state project is? Yes, I remember something about that. Okay, yeah, it is New Hampshire. So the Free State Project, this is another tangent. 
this is a a a social experiment that libertarian types decided to try many years ago, like 10, 15 years ago. They decided they voted on what state they thought would be the best state that they could all move to and start to change the laws from within. And they had two finalists, Wyoming and New Hampshire, and they picked New Hampshire because it's smaller and they thought they could have a better chance in the democratic process. And so a ton of people moved there and they started to actively try to, to change the laws and keep the laws focused on people's natural rights and try to avoid getting bad laws passed there. So New Hampshire actually has some really good legal, um, they haven't been infiltrated by the, uh, no, they have been, I I think it's a real fight that goes on there, but there's so many of them that they, that they're able to hold their ground pretty well. The problem is their geographic location. That was their big blunder is they sort of got involved in the land war in Asia over there on the East coast. They really should have picked Wyoming. I think they would have had a, uh, if if they would have had just a little bit of premonition of what was going to happen, they should have seen that Wyoming would be a far better place to congregate relative to all the people that would fu- join them in the future <laughs> to yeah. try to try to avoid proximity to the tyranny on the coast. It may so, probably would have had more uh, locals who were more apt to join them. Yeah. Easily converted locals, but maybe New Ham- maybe in New Hampshire now the <laughs> the people out there are waking up too. They have to be seeing the blatant well, people, hypocrisy it, and and double speak and. Well, you remember what we lies. we we talked about uh, the Corona Circus guy um, in Switzerland called himself Icarus, I think. Yeah, he's he he often said, "Who's saying it? Why are they saying it? Why are they saying it now?" Mm-hmm. and Lately, you've had people like Trevor Noah, who hosts one Who's of these. Who's Trevor Noah? He hosts one of these late night shows. I don't know which one. but Like a late night show formerly hosted by Jay Leno or something, yeah, Craig one of Kilborn or, he, or, uh, or a late, late, late one that nobody watched. <laughs> I don't know that anybody watches Noah, but he's now saying, asking questions like, wait, why are we all getting boosters? And then even LeBron James, who was fully vaccinated, right, and tested positive. He tweeted something out, like something real fishy going on. Oh, because he, he's now upset because he tested positive? <laughs> right, I guess. I guess that's the big uh, elephant in the room is when all these vaccinated people realize they want a refund and that they can't get it out of their body, That there could be some real fireworks over that. Right. Because right. it's now becoming common. <coughs> like, if you, if you want to really, like, have an exercise in brain damage... Go to KSL.com and read the comments on pretty much any story, any coronavirus story, or any political story, like a Mitt Romney right. story. Like, that will give a person brain damage. It will make them want to <laughs> cut their head off with a butter knife or something, rather than have to look at the comments. The, there, I, I've wondered if there's a CIA troll farm specifically dedicated to KSL comments, because some of them are just so ridiculously statist and They're really bad the, the the dichotomy is amazing and i know i know content moderators personally and i know that they have a <laughs> their job that whether they want to admit it or not is keep the keep the narrative under control there's certain parameters that they have certain things they can't um 
post like for example they were not able they were not allowed to post any let's go brandon comments right which proved to everyone that posted a let's go brandon comment and got denied that, that the me- that the media is manipulated which is exactly why they posted the let's go brandon comment right and they and they this person just said, well, they, it's, it's vulgar. They're just trying to say F Joe Biden. And I tried to explain, no, that's not what it means. It, it does mean that. And it means that in the most patriotic sense. Right. You know, because remember, on we its face, it's not vulgar right, at all. We didn't start the fire here. The, the, it was the Robert De Niro's of the world that, and, and the Kathy Griffiths who turned, who turned politics into this really you know, because it's always been called mudslinging, right? Sure. But they turned it into a massive vulgarity. I mean, the, the, I, I'm surprised that there was a step between where we were at in the, in the Obama years and full-on war, like shooting each other. And that step is what we saw during the Trump administration, right? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then all of a sudden, when Biden, quote-unquote, gets elected, 80 million votes, right? Then... Sure. Then everybody, then the media is trying to tell us that, oh, now it's, now you should just be positive and polite and let's, let's get back to having decorum and, oh, you can't say F the president because that's vulgar. That's when they, these very people were, were the ones that started it. That's that, that <laughs> they, they, they made it mainstream. They made it acceptable to do things like pose with a, uh, mock-up of a severed trump head that's right. kathy kathy griffith griffin what's her name one of those one of those uh yeah th- that's so amazing anyway so uh, the best explanation of this i read a long time ago i can't remember who said it but i don't know if short comments like this need attribution or not but the person said essentially that the the media's job the corporate media the oligarchy media the state-linked, state-run, state-massaged, you know, and I'm meaning when I say state, I mean the oligarchy and the apparatuses that they control, which is the government and the corporations. So that's the state, okay? Their job, the media's job, the media arm of that, is to make 80% of the population believe what only 10% of the population believes. Right. Or 20%, right? Because the narrative coming out of the media is getting so bad, so outlandish, that maybe even people like LeBron James aren't going to believe it anymore. And he's been a proselyter for them. He's been an for evangelist sure. for, for the corporate status narrative. And, you know, it's all fun and games until LeBron James gets his eye shot out, right? <laughs> You'll shoot your eye out. By the way, today's December 7th, 2021, and Chris Cuomo no longer works at CNN. Okay, I take offense at that. December 7th is the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Yep, today's Pearl Harbor. It's the 80th anniversary. And let us never speak of Chris Cuomo again. Well, I don't think anybody ever will. He lost his job. Fine, go ahead. Tell us what happened. Well, he was just running cover for his brother, who didn't do nothing wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I love the Cuomo voice. I don't think it's quite... He he used his station, literally. His his office. His position as a primetime anchor to run cover 
for Andrew's crimes, and he was which were copious. Which uh, and you know, and he was he was rallying other journalists to the cause, and he was lying and he was digging up dirt and lies about the accusers. <clears throat> so nothing that uh, really should surprise you if you know anything about the Cuomo crime family or media and what's, politics. <laughs> what's surprising is that CNN fired him over it and didn't promote him for it because that's kind of the thing that CNN is trafficking in, but. I don't have a lot of uh, sympathy for for Chris Cuomo losing his job. You remember he was faking, he faked uh, his quarantine, his COVID quarantine, and had a fake video of him coming out of quarantine and pretending to hug his kids and yeah. everything. <laughs> it's, anyway. it's amazing, you know, what luck for the rulers that the people don't think. That's. Well, That's a serious Hitler quote, by the way. People are starting to think. I mean, there's, there's, there's massive demonstrations. We mention these every week. All over the world, there's massive demonstrations. and They're not being covered. And uh, people in Canada and in Australia and in different parts of Europe are pushing against this as best they can, trying to do it peacefully. And it's sort of working, but not really working. Well, that's the thing is the 80% of the people don't realize that they are 80% yet. Once they realize they're 80%, then you're going to have that scene like in the movie Ants or Bugs Life where they go, uh, we, we outnumber you 10 to 1, you know? Right. Right. And, and we're not going to take it. We're not going to take it anymore. There's a song about that. There is. It's a great song. But we've gone from that was that song came from the eighties, Twisted Sister. We've gone from we're not gonna take it to we're definitely gonna take it in our pop culture. We're gonna take that shot. We're gonna take it. And we're it. gonna stick it in our arm. We're gonna take it hard. Well, I think I think there are a lot of people that are taking the shot, but again, the, this could turn on a dime. You have uh with with the right let's go Brandon memes. Do you remember when we were in high school there was a band real popular called Rage Against the Machine? Yeah, I remember the name. I'm not sure I really got into them. They were this hard band, and they had, they had this lyric in one of their songs. You know, they were kind of an edgy band, and you were you were rebellious if you listened to them. Yeah, because you were raging. But they, uh, they had a, a lyric in one of their songs. It's "F you, I won't do what you tell me," and they would "F you, I won't do what you tell me." "F you, I won't do what you tell me." Well, the did leaks, they actually say the F word? Yeah, they actually said. Oh, it. really? Like I said, it was very edgy back then. Well, now you have the lead singer of that band telling people to take the shot and not letting anybody into their concerts who isn't vaccinated. So you literally have him saying, F you, do what they tell you. <laughs> <laughs> These guys who made a living, made a, made a, made a, uh, you know, a name for themselves by being rebellious against authority are telling their fans that they better dang well listen to authority. Just and another, no one attends their concerts because they're too afraid, Another irony right? of the, the upside-down world that we're living through. Does anyone attend their concerts anymore? I don't know. I mean, aging people like us, I guess. <laughs> aging vaccinated people <laughs> <laughs> who are scared, so scared they're staying in their homes? I guess. 
Well, but you're right. Nothing is what it seems. Do you remember speaking of CNN? Do you remember seeing the fake Gulf War footage from the '90s? Because they've been doing this for a while. There's there's footage out there of <coughs> CNN reporters faking like yeah, air, ra- acting, air raid sirens, acting all crazy. They they were filming. Like they in were it, on site when they were really somewhere in the U.S. Right, they were filming in Atlanta or something like that, and they were trying to. Uh, scare people about the the Gulf War, which was lar- the first Gulf War was largely predicated on falsehood. This may be something that listeners are not aware of. The big oh the horror moment I think was when there was a a young lady that testified in front of Congress that the that the Kuwaitis were or the Ira- the Iraqis were coming into Kuwaiti hospitals and throwing infant babies from the windows Mm -hmm. and that never happened that turned out later to be a total fabrication and it's also not well known that madeline albright i believe was the secretary of state at the time had had a private meeting with saddam hussein before the war and kind of with a wink and a nod told him, look, we're not going to do anything if you were to invade Kuwait. And that's kind of a big deal because at the time, in the late 80s, everybody knew that the United States of America was heavily involved in the Middle East with the Saudis and that the petrodollar was a thing, meaning that, because see, the, the issue with the the reason one of the main reasons that the united states dollar or the federal reserve bank's dollar is the reserve currency of the world is because through coercion the government of the united states was able to force oil exporting countries to only price their oil in dollars and only take dollars for oil okay that th- think about that for just a second what that does to the world economy Oil is perhaps the most consumed single commodity, aside from major foodstuffs like grain, perhaps even more. You could argue that it's more consumed than grain because everybody eats and everybody drives, but they don't always eat the same thing, but they do always have their cars eat the same thing, right? So the the petrodollar is a big deal the fact that that oil is denominated in dollars is a huge deal and right now there are countries like china and russia who and, Ch- and russia is a big oil exporter they are experimenting with systems where the uh they're trading their oil or the chinese are buying oil for uh with with currencies other than the dollar so this this creates a big rift in in the world geopolitical economic situation well anyway uh back to madeline albright she almost forgot what what the tangent trail was here i need to leave some breadcrumbs she assures saddam hussein that the united states is uninterested in this little tiny oil exporting country kuwait and so saddam hussein decides to imperialistically take it over and oh, the horror! We found a lot of excuses to go in and depose Saddam Hussein. 
that that's you know you got to wonder how smart the guy was because his country recognizing the power structure his country is far more strategically important than kuwait and i'm i'm guessing he just didn't realize that he was going to give Bush Sr., the moral high ground, right? Right. He, he just didn't, he didn't understand what kind of a game he was playing in relative to, to public opinion and the grand narrative, I think. That's, I think that's where he fell down. He thought he was living in a post-Vietnam world and didn't realize these guys were setting up the modern world and that all they needed was moral justification to get the machine going, and he gave it to them. Right. Of course, Madeleine Albright famously said that um, I'm paraphrasing but a million dead Iraqi kids would be worth it to go into the into the country and knowing that a million kids would die uh, you know on her watch but yeah Saddam then famously was I remember the news coverage when they cornered him in the in the uh Spider pipe hole. In, a, in a pipe under a road, you know, mm-hmm. and basically a mob just hung him right there on site with American soldiers there. <coughs> I think, no, I think they had a, a tr- quick trial. Maybe. It was really fast. It was Gaddafi that got uh, strung up pretty quick, wasn't it? Maybe that's who was in the, in the pipe under the road. I think Gaddafi was killed, was lynched, and, and Saddam was kangaroo courted. Yeah, I think you're right. Quickly. And there was some footage that came out of, of Saddam's trial. And Well, anyway, the, the point is that CNN has been faking news for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that famous uh, picture of Anderson Cooper covering a hurricane. And it looks like he's like in the middle of water. But then you zoom out and it, the water's like knee deep. Or... The water is knee deep everywhere except where he's standing. Cause he and then there are people walking a, by, looking, giving him dirty right. looks like, what are you doing? He was able to find a, a lower spot, like in a pool or something, to make it look like he was in waist deep water, but the water's really ankle or knee deep the rest of the way. And they just find these spots to do these things that make it look like... Well, and you, nobody ever asks themselves, why is he in that water? Why, what's his cameraman doing? And where's the van parked? Right. And could they, could they not have filmed it from a different position? Or did he have to wade out there? He's like, you know, a smarter person. These, these journalists must be brain-damaged idiots because a smarter person would like say, look at that car over there. Right. <laughs> or I, I've brought a measuring stick and... <laughs> But right. no, I'm going in. Yeah, they, it's it's theater. It's all theater. This used to be called yellow journalism, and st- students in the public schools are taught, I think, about Hearst and the yellow journalism. Are we not from the early 1900s? They used to. The early 20th century was marked by a lot of interesting things, and newspapers used to print whatever that would sell newspapers, right? And then there, after World War II, I think they're they're arrived a sense of decorum or a sense of nobility amongst journalists this idea that you know we don't we don't print falsehood we print what happens and i don't know that they ever stopped printing falsehoods i think they just well exactly started telling us what they were above what what happened was pre-world war one or pre-world war two 
the establishment, the oligarchy, was able to get gain control of the major publishers and especially television. See, this is this is the thing. Not everybody had a TV before World War II and movies were coming into vogue, right? So that's why whenever you see clips of World War II or movie movies of World War II or nostalgic montages of what was going on at the time, you'll see newsreels in theaters where you've got the announcer. Allied forces landed in Normandy today. The, the great heroes of the Midwest are battling their way to Germany. And you get this, you know, you get that sound from the theater projector, and then you get the grainy film right. and they they show everybody in the dark theater and that's how that's how a lot of news was given in the 40s and then people come back from the war and everybody gets a television set in the 50s right do you remember back to the future the movie right. where he ends up at his mom's house and the dad rolls out a television he's like now we can watch Jackie Gleason while we eat and Marty says oh this is a great episode it's a rerun right and the kid says What's a rerun? Right. <laughs> that so we thinking about thinking about the scope of history is helpful to sort all this stuff out, because people switched from newspapers predominantly over a, over a multi decade period to radio and then television, and radio and television were far more easy to control than newspapers because the printing press was old technology. All you had to do was get a printing press and start printing stuff and start pamphleteering and handing it out. And that was like no big deal, right? Now, now there was a problem with distribution. I think there's a whole musical called Newsies that talks about distribution wars. <laughs> Is right. that what that's about? I, I, I admit well, that and, I haven't really labor, seen... Labor, labor, di- labor disputes. I haven't really seen that show, but the point is, it's all about distribution, right? So radio then makes it easier for large conglomerates to get their message out to everyone and, their, and it creates barriers to entry because it's difficult for somebody in the 20s and 30s to set up a radio station and broadcast. That was expensive, far more expensive than running a newspaper or just pamphleteering. This is why all the conspiracy guys had resorted to mailing list newsletters in the 50s and 60s because it was it was accessible technology well then a television station is even far more advanced than a, than a, than a radio station and requires even more money and so this was this limited it to three essentially three broadcasting companies the american broadcasting company the national broadcasting company and what does cbs stand for something broadcasting Col- service columbia columbian columbia like columbia pictures I think. I don't know. Maybe. You can look that up, up. listeners. Or Bobby's going to do it for you. Well, then you you got cable news channels where they're... they're Columbia Broadcasting System. Okay. In the 90s, you had the cable thing. Do you remember remember the disputes over cable lines and all the... uh, That there were these Protestant-style women... Marge Simpson type of women activists going around saying that cable news was going to bring porn into our homes and it was going to... Do you remember this in the 90s? Yeah, but didn't Hillary, Hillary kind of led that 
charge, didn't she? Well, there was a big push by government and uh, from the top down because local Seems governments like needed Quayle's to get behind wife it. Was involved, maybe. Well, Hillary wasn't against it, was she? She was in favor of cable. I don't know, but she was in. I know she was in favor of a lot of like these progressive things, labels on CDs and stuff like that, like. Oh, okay. Parental advisories, government control of the of the of the content. That makes sense. I don't remember her being opposed to to the cable installation, but people. I remember people being worried. I remember my parents talking about cable news and the cable lines being run. I think one went through our backyard or something like that, and they weren't necessarily happy about all these easements. And they Wait were, till they hear about the internet. That's the thing. <laughs> well, the internet comes for most people via those lines. Right. And there, there was just all this talk about um, how it was going to bring porn and was going to ruin our society, dramatically change our society. And, you know, that was actually prophetic. That, was, that actually happened and largely happened because of those transmission lines, the, dist- the distribution, distribution network. I, I remember seeing a future in the 90s. I remember seeing, because once Fox News was out, right? And because you had the rise of the Fox network at that time, and then you had CNN, cable news network, came out. ESPN hit on cable. You had all these new entertainment opportunities, and people paid for them, right? It was People were willing to pay for it. And I remember seeing an episode of The Simpsons where it was set in the future. Lisa was the president. Bart was the secretary of, quote, keeping it real, I think. <laughs> he was there to help. He was there to help with the debt. Like the, the country was in, in dire financial straits. And so Lisa has Bart help her kind of deflect the creditors. <laughs> He's like, tell him the check's in the mail. Tell him it's coming on Tuesday. And so she, she has a little bit of success <laughs> managing the country with Bart's help, and then it all falls apart. But there's this funny little short scene where Marge and Homer are watching cable TV, and she says to Homer, Fox, Fox became a hardcore ch- porn channel so gradually that none of us realized it or something like that. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, yeah, you can get anything on the internet. And, and that, that actually happened. Like we, we, we went through that, that progression from newspapers to hardcore porn being, avail- being available at the touch of a button here on a screen that is, I've got this little tiny screen that is, you know, space age. I'm looking at a laptop here that's got, what, 14-inch screen. Compared to that television in Back to the Future that the, that the kids had rolled out right. so they could watch it. I mean, your, your, phone, your phone has more computing power than the entire space program from its inception until... Like recent, like the the year two thousand, possibly. Right. <laughs> it's amazing where we've come, but it's all about distribution. It's all about getting the message to the people, right? And it's up until the up until the advent of the internet. And it's there's another funny clip in the movie, Back to the Future, the first one, where 
Marty convinces Doc Brown, he's in the past, and he convinces him that he comes from the future and he has this message and he needs help and everything. And he shows him the video camera footage of Doc Brown in the future and and them getting shot by the Libyans and everything. And Doc Brown says, oh, because... (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'm not I'm not telling the story very well. I'm gonna have to put the clips in the in the on the webpage and you guys can check it out. But he he's on the doorstep and he won't believe Marty. And he says, Who's the president in the future? Who's the president in 1984? Marty says, Ronald Reagan. And and Brown says, Ronald Reagan, the actor? Who's the vice president? Jerry Lewis? Right. And then later on, he sees the 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 video camera, which is a, a beta. Was it a, a beta format camera? It was one of the it was smaller, right? You're the film expert. I don't remember, but it was probably, <clears throat> it might have been a high eight back then. Oh, okay. I don't know. It, was, don't, it had smaller it tapes, smaller tapes than VHS tapes, and it was a really cool little camera, and I remember watching it in the, in the year 1985 thinking, oh, if I only had a video camera like Marty McFly or whatever. <laughs> that is so cool. Anyway, they hook it up to the old TV. Doc Brown's watching everything, and he says, oh, now I understand why your president needs to be an actor. He has to look good on television. And he and he he's look he's examining the the device and he's oh it's a it's a portable movie studio and it is a portable movie studio, right. and now you all have a portable movie studio that you can put in your front pocket or your back pocket or your side pocket. I like pockets, but uh, yeah, and look what we do with it. And look what we do with it. And and so the 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 the, the problem for the for the uh, oligarchy in the last ten years has been that. Not that information is controllable. Well, I said that wrong. It's not that they're, getting, they're not getting their message out there. They're just, it's been diffused. There's too many people getting the message out. Too many people are able to get a message out there. I mean, they'll let just and anybody they need to, start a podcast. Yeah, just uh, anybody. Anybody, <laughs> anybody can With start no a podcast. no credentials at all. They don't even have to be funny. They don't even have to look good. They don't have to have permission they don't even have to talk intelligently they they can just blather on and on and on and on about things like history and media controlling things for an hour <laughs> and and the guy sitting across the table could let let them well it's funny that the biggest most popular podcast in the world right now is basically a, a conversational a, a, a buffoon you know you're talking about joe rogan joe rogan i mean he's 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 not a buffoon. He's a, I think he's a thoughtful guy, but he's kind he's of a his, regular Joe. Kind of his his shtick, right? It's just he's a regular guy who likes to fight and play. Was a comedian, drink beer, and, smoke yeah, pot, and go hunting. And but yeah, but, he's a regular Joe. Joe Rogan. Yeah, regular Joe Rogan. Yeah. Anyway, it's just irregu- funny though. But irregular Joe would, Biden. You would think that the most popular, you know, uh, podcast in the world would be somebody like. Very, very well educated and well read and credentialed out out the ears. Something edgy, like say something about a virus or a mind virus or something. That that <laughs> you'd think that would be the most popular podcast. It might be. Our numbers are are murky. <laughs> it's hard to tell. <clears throat> Speaking of credentials, Doctor Oz has announced he's running for Senate in Pennsylvania, a state that he does not live in, and he's getting clowned hard as he tries to pretend to be a conservative Republican. And so he's getting memed. You know, Hello, fellow conservatives. 
know, type <laughs> of a thing. I too am something of a conservative Republican. But just more of the more of the the absurdity that is our popular culture right now. Well, anyway, nothing nothing is as as it seems. Going back to this Brownstone article that we've <laughs> been tangentizing away from for so long, I, I highly recommend having a look at it. It's a great review of why everything is upside down. What, how how it's possible that we we have destroyed our society over. A bad cold. Granted, there are people that have bad reactions to whatever this is that's going around, or or perhaps people who have bad reactions to the 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 multiple seasonal illnesses that have beset the the world and the nation in the last couple of years. And maybe maybe part of that is a bad reaction to uh, caused by and to the uh, the public responses and their their changes in their lifestyle. You know. There's a lot of reasons why people could be sick that are not necessarily linked directly to a quote-unquote coronavirus, whatever that is. So Ian McNulty here on December 2nd gave a great overview of the history of the situation, and, he re- and he's discussing it in, in the context of, the, of, of what the PCR test is, the polymerase chain reaction test, and how the media and, and the authorities have handled this and how they've changed. And the title of the article is PCR Tests and the Rise of Disease Panic. I, I highly recommend it. I think it's long, but you should read it just to cement in your mind the reality of the situation. This is, I think, as close, as, close to the reality as we're going to get here. He tells of how in 2006 there was a pertussis outbreak in New Hampshire. And remember, if you remember the tangent, <laughs> New Hampshire, free, the Free State Project got us on to CNN and then media history and all kinds of stuff. But New Hampshire, they, they, uh, they used the PCR test instead of the old tried and true method to determine whether they had pertussis. And the tried and true method is to grow the virus in a culture and see if you have enough of it to make any difference and see if it's killing other cells and things like that. The PCR test, polymerase chain reaction, runs a a piece of DNA or RNA, so a, a, gen, a, a small piece of genetic code through an amplification process, which they call cycles, until you reach a threshold, which is a certain number of cycles, which varies depending on the situation or application. So you run it through cycles to amplify it to see if you can find that seed, that comparison strand and if you find it then it doesn't mean you're sick it doesn't mean anything it just means you found the strand right am i i mean am i breaking that down in lay terms layman's terms well enough so that's why it has the word chain reaction in the title a pcr test is a chain reaction that amplifies genetic material and then discovers if there's any of it there well in the pertussis outbreak they found that it wasn't actually pertussis. They, they, let's see, they, uh, they initially thought 
using using PCR techniques, they thought they had a pertussis outbreak, whooping cough, right? That's that's been highly contagious throughout history until the modern, you know, post World War II era when water supplies have been pretty clean and so it's generally under control but they still make a big deal out of it because they don't want to have a lot of pertussis you the kids can transmit it easily at school because they're coughing a lot and it is pretty damaging right it's it can cause pneumonia it can cause people to get really sick and feel bad and have to go to the hospital well they found 142 cases of it out there and so it's, he says this, medical procedures were canceled, hospital beds were taken out of commission, nearly 1,000 healthcare workers were furloughed, 1,444 were treated with antibiotics, and 4,524 were vaccinated against whooping cough. 18 months later, when the state health department had completed the standard culture tests, not one single case of whooping cough could be confirmed. It seems that the Dartmouth Hitchcock laboratory or area had suffered an outbreak of ordinary respiratory diseases no more serious than the common cold. What does that sound like? Does that sound in any way, shape, or form familiar? Or is it possible that that situation applies today? Then the guy goes on to talk about how in 2009, when there was that quote-unquote swine flu breakout, that they did the same thing, except that in this case, Rather than admitting, you know, coming to grips with the fact that they made a mistake, the media went along with it, and, the, and we've covered uh, why that might have been the case in previous episodes. The point was, over the last 20 years, they needed to terrorize the minds of the people to get them to accept the type of situation that is going on today. They had to change the narrative, change people's minds, uh, destroy truth, replace it with a falsehood, right? So take away the expectation that we're going to do real, real testing, switch it with the expectation that these PTR tests, PCR tests are appropriate, and then scare the hell out of everybody over something like the swine flu. And finally, here in 2020, they were able to cause enough fear to get people to react. And now it's taking a while, but they have not been successful in vaccinating enough of the population quickly enough to close down any thought loopholes, <laughs> for lack of a better word. For you know, we, we have a big control group. We have you know, 40% of the American population doesn't want to get vaccinated. And so we've got a lot of people who can say, hey, I'm glad I didn't get vaccinated. And then you've got a LeBron James out there. I'm surprised. I didn't, I didn't realize LeBron James had actually called it into question because there's a big one right there. That domino falls, a lot of dominoes could fall. Well, it'll be interesting to see if he, you know, if they quickly, you know, snap their fingers and, you know. And he dances a jig for them. Right. Because you have NBA players who have been very outspoken about the vaccine and not want to get it. And Kyrie Irving who won a championship with LeBron in Cleveland a few years ago, is sitting out the season. He's not being allowed to play. Because he won't get vaccinated? Because he won't get vaccinated. Is he the only one? Is he sitting out because of his club's rules? Or is it... Yeah, I think so. Because there's others who have said, I'm not going to do this. You have one that's 
uh, named Jonathan Isaac, who's very outspoken and very articulate and well-educated on the issues. And he's been really good, you know, voice of reason, really uh, explains his stance much more uh, thoroughly than the news. And, you know, the news just paints everybody as... This guy's name's Jonathan Isaac? Yeah, plays for the Orlando Magic. There's also been a few NFL players. There's a, an NFL player named An- Antonio Brown who has a history of kind of uh, controversy. Uh, some of it pretty serious, you know, as far as like beating women type of a thing. But he's just been suspended because he got caught with a fake vaccine card. <laughs> <laughs> and a few of his teammates. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. And I, I promise you that among these professional athletes, the the vax rates are not as high as, as people think they are. These are. These people earn their living with their bodies. Well, yeah, I think a lot and, of them maybe right now are, are looking at the soccer situation and all these soccer players that are collapsing and, and some of them are dying. Right. And, and they're going, oh, hold on a second here. The, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm all for, I'm all for the press conferences and taking one for the team and, and it, it is entertainment, right? So it's scripted. They, they right. say things, they have their, they have their version of kayfabe right. to harken back to a past <laughs> episode and a, uh, some great articles by the Corona Circus guys. But, uh, so they, so they stay in character in public a lot, but there's a point where people break, right? There's a point where some kid stands up and says, hey, he's not wearing any clothes. Right. And then the other people are like, well, you know what? He might be right. I think, I'm, I think he's right. He's there's, not wearing any clothes. Then there's been a slew of, of articles with headlines and sub-headlines with things like, is it possible that the, that the edge that, per, that elite athletes have that make them so great is also the same thing causing all of the heart attacks amongst athletes. Like there's oh my all gosh. this spin and, you know, trying to spin away this idea that it, you know, it could be anything other than the, the vaccine that's causing these problems with young people. Canada's recently advised young men not to take the Moderna shot because of the high incidence. Of oh, there are multiple problems. countries that have banned right. the, or that have put out warnings on the Moderna shot, right? Some of them have banned right. it. Right, right. And and that's only reason the only reason that the, that Moderna is getting banned and Pfizer's not is because Pfizer has incredible power. Pfizer owns the media and the government. They they basically the, run the, run the, it. Pfizer Pfizer owns the media's and the government's. Right, right. Plural. Right. Europe sponsored by Pfizer. America sponsored <laughs> by Pfizer. China. Well, we're trying to get Pfizer, into China. Sponsored by China. <laughs> yeah, Pfizer sponsored by China. Owned and operated. Russia. <laughs> Russia trying to maintain independence by making its own vaccine and calling it Sputnik. Right. So there, there's obvious problems. And again, it's just, we, we've touched on how the, more than touched on it, but we talked about a lot how it's all just this theater. All the world's a stage. And we are the we are we're being played by the people who <laughs> fancy themselves as the players. We're the audience that's being you know having we're being tricked. Well, sometimes we're part of the play. <laughs> yeah, it's like an interactive play. Come on up. It's like a magician show. Can I have an, a member of the audience? Could I have a million members of the audience come up 
and stand around the Capitol building. Now walk through the Capitol building. Right, wave and your we'll flags. Invite you in. <laughs> yeah, wave your flags. Could I need somebody to volunteer to break these windows? You need to look for situations like that. Right. You might be on candid camera. <laughs> you might be. You might be. Be set. Be punked. set up by the FBI. <laughs> yeah. You might be in a sting op. A if very somebody, large sting operation. If somebody you've never met before gets in touch with you and asks you to, to commit a crime, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you think they're on your side, if they're asking you to bomb a building. If they give you the bomb, <laughs> if they invite you to their meeting, they indoctrinate you, and then they give you a bomb. They tell you to drive it and park it in a, in, a, in, a, in a parking garage at the bottom of a building. Don't do it. Don't do it. And don't run to the media because they won't believe you. <laughs> Just, oh, boy. Yeah. No, th- that's, an- <coughs> that's another uh, important point that Bobby brings up. If, if you're new to this, if, if you haven't listened very long or haven't been paying attention. I can't remember the statistics, so I'm going to approximate it here. But it's like 9 out of 10 or, or 19 out of 20 or, you know, 35 out of 37 te- foiled terrorist attacks since 9-11 were fomented by, planned by, um, initiated by, meaning that and thwarted by and, and thwarted by the FBI that means they that means they conceived of them went out planted informants coerced or influenced or manipulated some patsy easily susceptible patsy into doing what they wanted and then they caught them and put it on camera and made a big deal out of it there's a reason why you take your shoes off at the airport because they did that with the shoe bomber. Right. And the underwear bomber. Right. And that's why you go through the naked body scanners. Right. This guy was trying to light the plastic explosive in his underwear with a match, which anyone who knows anything about G.I. Joe or the, the military or whatever, anybody, any, any red-blooded American young man knows that you have to have a detonator for that because they've watched enough right. military propaganda. <laughs> and it's like, okay, here it goes. And those of us, you know, what's funny is a lot of people, there's a lot more people out there becoming conspiracy theorists or conspiracy researchers because of what's going on. And I've read articles on this. I've had acquaintances or friends who are like, why, why is it that people believe these conspiracy theories? And, and, it's, and, and the, the answer to that is evidence. It's because of evidence and firsthand accounts. It's... Uh, you don't you don't become a conspiracy theorist until it happens to you or you see it happen to somebody and you go, "Oh, well that was clearly what happened." And and so for example, the guy there's a, there was an attorney I I watched this in real time when we saw the the post 9/11 security state evolving. There was an attorney out in Illinois, I believe, Chicago, that was standing in line next to the underwear bomber. And after this happened and after the mainstream media did the whole she's a witch burn her thing from Monty Python, right? You go, I got to put that on the, I think we've, I think we've linked to that before. She's a witch, right? It's very good. It's very good. It's, it's just a demonstration of how absurd this public uh, mass mentality stuff is. Also the, the movie, um, the Monty Python movie, 
Life of Brian is a really good expose on, <laughs> it's like a documentary on public opinion and public mass mentality. It's, it's a documentary. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> this, this attorney from Chicago was in Amsterdam standing in line next to the, the underwear bomber who he said looked like he was on drugs and had been escorted. He, he, he was taken out of the security line and was able to bypass security because he was ex, exported by a, a sharp, sharply dressed Indian man. So think of a man from the nation of India wearing a James Bond style suit who escorted the underwear bomber around the security line. He didn't have to go through security. So, so this guy was trying, he, 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 he became inst- immediately converted, baptism by fire, into the conspiracy crowd because he watched it happen. And then he went to the authorities and, and he was interviewed by the FBI and everybody and they told him that what he saw he didn't see. Right. He didn't see the guy no, with the buffalo hat escorted they, into the Senate chambers right, they, on January they 6th. They tried to, yeah, that's the problem. That's what's going on right now is everybody saw that. Now they're being told, you know, these are not the droids you're looking for. There are, there are five lights. Say it. There are five lights. Well, anyway, this guy, this is like 2006-ish, I think. And this is when I was waking up. This is one of those things that, that, uh, that made me go, hey, something's going on here. He... He had to go on the Alex Jones shows. He had to go on all the talk shows, the, cons- the conspiracy alternative media talk shows that were just then getting to getting a lot of traction because of the internet. And he had to tell his story there because nobody in the mainstream press would talk to him. And the authorities had discarded him and told him he didn't see what he saw. And he's like, guys, I- I'm just a regular attorney from Chicago. And then this happens to me. There's another guy. Okay, so I've mentioned uh, the documentary Endgame before m- multiple times, and I think you should watch it. But again, the first half of that movie is all about Bilderberg because nobody believed that it was real. And he spends about an hour talking about it, and it's kind of slow and everything. But when Alex Jones was exposing that stuff in the 2005-2009 range, there was a comedian named Charlie Skelton, I think, out of, out of Great Britain, who was making fun of him. He's like, this is bullcrap. You guys are crazy. He was using it in his comedy sketches. And one of the newspapers out there, I don't know if it's The Guardian or The Mail Online or somebody, somebody over there, decided it'd be great to send Charlie Skelton, the comedian, to go report on this great conspiracy, Bilderberg. So he went to Greece, and I can't remember what year it was, but the whole goal was to make fun of the conspiracy theorists, right? And if I remember right, the story goes something like this. He goes down there, starts investigating. He's trying to get material and dirt on the conspiracy theorists, and he's trying to learn a little bit about Bilderberg and make fun of him. He ends up getting thrown into jail by the Greek authorities, <laughs> shot at, chased, turns it into, it turns into like a James Bond spy movie, and he becomes a conspiracy researcher, <laughs> and he's like, no joke. And, and, he, and he had a hard time because nobody would listen to him, and he goes back, and, and he, he was literally running for his life, <laughs> but he's a comedian. I saw a meme recently that said, said something like, how do you talk to your conspiracy theorist relatives at this holiday season? And then it showed a you know, uh, uh, two people talking and it said, <laughs> it said, 
I'm sorry. You were right all along. I'm, I apologize <laughs> for making fun of you for friend. years and years. Right. Is that a meme? Yeah. We'll oh, you got to send that to me. We'll have to try to find it. It's like, how to, how to talk to your conspiracy theory theorist relative this holiday season. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. You were right. You were right all along. <laughs> I'll see if I can find that. But, you know, it's funny and we laugh, but over the last couple of years... It's hard to uh, it's hard to deny that things that conspiracy theorists have been saying for a long time are all coming to pass. You you can't deny your own right. eyes. You can't deny that there are nations locking people down because they don't have a vaccine. Right. Australia is building in concentration camps. camps. Concentration they're, camps. Do they have gas chambers? They're t- those are coming in the 2.0. No, those are the needles. The modern version of that is a needle, right. a syringe that you will but take people qui- in and die quietly in your bed. People in Australia are being taken to these against their will. That's a fact. You know, you can't deny that. People in the United States are being denied service. Medical care. Medical care and then just regular stuff like, you know, being able to attend a movie or a restaurant based on their vaccination status. All of these things are, are true. They're or happening. their status as a police officer. <laughs> the, right. The, the powers that be, the oligarchy, whatever you want to call them, are talking about a worldwide takeover. They're out there in the open talking about this stuff, and they have names for it, like the Great Reset and the Great Narrative. And... They're out there doing these things. They're out there making these things into reality. That's undeniable. They imagined the future. They designed it. And now they're executing it. Now they're executing everyone who stands in their way. (laughs) They kind of are. They kind of are. I think they've, you know, again, if, if anyone asks you why you're a conspiracy theorist, the answer is evidence. That's why. It's, it's evidence. It's primary source accounts, whistleblowers. And what's funny is whenever you try to send any of this information to somebody who doesn't want to believe it, they'll find ample debunking of you know, the myriads of whistleblowers out there. They'll find a reason why not to like your whistleblowers. So you've got to want to believe. You've got you've to want to know the truth and have an inkling that perhaps the narrative that you've been taught was wrong. I just found a version of that meme and I sent it to you. Okay, I want to see it. It's pretty good. It makes it look like it's a BBC News article. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think it was, I think it was a real article called How Should You Talk to Friends and Relatives Who Believe Conspiracy Theories? And this one says, <laughs> has a guy, you know, kind of making a conciliatory gesture. And he says, hey, bro, you were right about everything. I'm sorry. <laughs> Have you seen the one where the stormtroopers are talking about uh, the, the destruction of the death of the Death Star? Po- there's a post 9-11 clip of the stormtroopers in a in a restaurant and they're talking to each other. And the one guy's like, no, I've done the research. There's no way that it could have just spontaneously blown up there there was a fault in a in a ventilation shaft (laughs) and he's like (laughs) we need to have an entire episode dedicated to memes because memes i like that idea memes are they they for better or worse they become a big part of the american 
discourse. It's a way to make points. It's a way to make light of things. I mean, you have a whole bunch of people who who have decided to use humor and absurdism to fight back on this tyranny, and that's good. You have guys like Tyler um, Fisher. Is that his name? We've linked to him he's a few the, times. He's the Dr. Fauci. Yeah, does Fauci. He's done some other. And you also need to wear a mask in the shower. He's done one. He's done this series where his beard and hair's all disheveled. And he, he's outside. It looks like he's in like a, a post-apocalyptic wasteland. And he's like saying, he's like, day, day 68, unvaccinated. You know, and he's like <laughs> running through running. the wasteland. And, it's very he's very good and so it's well there was the guy the the mall cop guy paul blart what's right. his name his name is kevin james he's the king of queens right he did a great clip early on where they were in the park and the people came after them for not wearing yeah, a mask for, it was like a, hor- a horror or oh, they were shaking hands yeah it was a horror film yeah. type of a reenactment like yeah he made a whole bunch of short films during the quote unquote shutdowns and they're all very good and funny and and but that's the that's the only one that sort of I says, think he got canceled right or he died of a vaccination or va- of being no. not vaccinated. No, is he he's, still around? He's still around. Is he saying stuff? He hasn't made as many of those movies but I think he's still around. At at some point it's like guys, if you're not getting it now what's what's the point <laughs> well, of yeah. me saying anything I, else? I I I think I said on Twitter recently at some point that because the you know the Utah the Utah coronavirus propagandists are pushing now the boosters really hard, which tell me the vaccines don't work without telling me they don't work, you know. But I said something. <laughs> I, I I like to to take it upon myself to poke them in the eye when I can. But I said, look, guys, anybody getting the boosters is brainwashed. Everybody else feels ripped off, and it's true. If 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 at what point do you say this didn't work and I got this thing into my body which is permanent? It doesn't it didn't work as advertised. And there's a lot of people I think are feeling ripped off. Like maybe LeBron James, maybe him saying something fishy going on. Maybe that's him saying, Man, I feel ripped off. Otherwise, the people getting the boosters, they're they're hopeless. You you can't you can't bring them back. They're going to have people getting their third, fourth, fifth, sixth jabs. They're going to get them as often as they can. I think the people running off to the clinic with their five-year-olds, I don't think you can bring those people back. Right, but that's the 10%. Right, and they're made to look like the mainstream, and it's the rest of us that are made to look like the extremists and the weirdos and the anti-science, anti-vaxxers, you know, Climate deniers. I'm trying to figure out a title for this episode here. It's got to be something like how to get a refund on the news. Like I want to, <laughs> I want a refund. Like I watched your commercials and yeah. that was terrible. I want a refund. Oh, you know, I had an, another thought. This is for the Babylon Bee who's out there listening. You guys need to do a, uh, like an anti-drug commercial for ivermectin. You know how the, those pharma, pharmaceutical, you know, they'll have like two ladies talking, you know, I'm having problems with blah, 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 my restless legs. And this, that's one of those. Right. I guess that's a real thing. I shouldn't make fun, but uh, I can't keep my toes from moving at night. <laughs> oh, I had that problem too until I took super toeification by Pfizer. Right. Talk to your doctor. You should talk to. Oh, and then Side it shows all these. include. 
Yeah, and then it has restless all these, leg syndrome. Yeah, and then it has all these great montages of happy, smiling kids in parks and, and women that are happy and and getting um, you know everything I saw they want. An ad, but but th- this needs to be for ivermectin. It needs to be like an anti one. Like, oh, don't don't take that. Side effects include, you know, have have you considered? I, I was uh, side effects include <laughs> clearing up of cough. Yeah, we we don't want that. I'd rather have these vaccines. You know, that I would saw, invalidate this vaccine that I got. One of these, I saw one of these, um, one of those ads for a psoriasis drug, and they now say in there, please, please alert your doctor if you have taken or are thinking about taking the vaccine. So you see, you're seeing this start to creep in, like. Like we don't want the liability of that thing right. that we that liability we created, right? Anyway, the whole the whole world has gone mad. It's gone crazy. It has. Our no our listeners know this. Yes, they do. Well, I know you've got somewhere on to that be. note. And I just don't have the, the energy to rant and rave. I've been ranting and raving for sure. I've got a lot of things to find here. This is going to be fun. The, fo- the Simpsons clip, the Back to the Future clips. You're going to yeah. have to send me some info on, uh, on LeBron listeners, James. Listeners need to go and re-listen to, was it episodes three and four or four and five, our little predictions episodes? Uh, I will tell you which ones they were real quick. Go back and, and listen to those because we're gonna we're going to hold ourselves accountable here in in a future episode. Here before the end of the year. And uh talk about some of our predictions for twenty twenty one and we, how off base or we, how spot on we were. We started this podcast episode one last December, almost a year ago, and we did a year in review. We reviewed the whole twenty twenty thing and it ended up being a little bit of a historical but we also, have, we also have the predictions episodes. Right. I'm, just, I'm giving a little history here, though. Okay. Because we, we want the history on the Mind Virus podcast. We, we said we were going to just do the year-end review, but we had to start back with a, a discussion of the oligarchy, the secret combinations, the robber barons, stuff like that. And uh, we've had a good run here on the Mind Virus podcast. We've, yeah, today would be episode This would be 52. the 52nd episode today. Full year of the Mind Virus. Yeah. We... Uh, we in January, did a two-part episode. I don't. I we broke it into two parts because some early listener thought that shorter segments would be better, and we decided we were just too lazy and didn't care too much about that. And there were other listeners giving feedback that feedback that it wasn't long enough. So we have ever since then not done a multi-part episode. But episodes number episode number four, part one is predictions for 2021 and then episode four part two is free form predictions for 2021 what was the difference there i think uh, in the free form was more like um space about, a- space aliens. aliens and things like that a little more out there so to speak which we haven't seen them yet but we've seen a lot of discussion about space aliens yeah well, anyway, we can't get into the review because that's when we do our our review episode, our actual review episode. Today was more of a review for the quiz episode type of a thing. <laughs> this will be a a debriefing on how well we did on our predictions. Yeah, so go go re-listen to that, and uh, you can participate with us. You can 
you can send us a note and let us know what you think we got right or wrong. Or just stay silent as you have been all this time. <laughs> silence is violence. Silence is consent. I assume that you all consent to where we take the Mind Virus podcast next because you're not commenting. Okay. On that note, Bobby, I wish you good health. Yes. And copious ivermectin, <laughs> if you can find it. Yeah, everybody, thanks for listening. Um, we will be back again next week. Um, find us on the web at mindvirus.show, if you haven't already. Then post a comment. Post a comment about how you found us at the mindvirus.show. And by the way, if you're a regular commenter, please don't use email addresses that will forward your notifications to a governmental website like cdc.gov. Dr. Nick, <laughs> if you're out there, if you use, because the, the automated uh, software will actually try to communicate with Dr. Nick at the CDC. And we, I don't want them to care at all about our server <laughs> sending them right. emails that they may not like. So pick an email address that is fake, but not governmentally fake. And then use the same name and email address every time so that I only have to approve your comment once. Now, if you're a troll out there, this is giving you a method to sneak in and then post bad comments later on, but I'll have to, I'll have to take the responsibility for that and just delete your account later if you do that. But if you'd like to comment and you want to comment regularly, use the same contact information and I'll only have to approve you once. Good to know. Since so many people are commenting, I thought that was <laughs> important. And then there is our email list, which is languishing out there. Someday you will all thank your lucky stars that you subscribe to the email list because you will get some bit of information at some point. But we're, I think our problem is we're trying to make that first email send so special that we're having I, a hard time I, I, I figuring out what is both, worthy. I thought we both just forget that it's there. Well, I think the problem is we, we pay attention to the Mind Virus podcast on Mondays and Tuesdays. <laughs> and then we have lives that we have to take care of in the meantime. Yeah, maybe. I guess we could... <coughs> Some of us seem to now, be taking care of not, our lives a little better than let's others. Not try to, let's not try to get it, make it any more positive than it already is. That might cause people's heads to explode. Okay, All Bobby, right, let's wrap I, it you, up. You, need to, you need to get better and do something other than what you're doing <laughs> because this is lingering. It has lingered. But, uh, you know, that's fine. Okay. We're going to wrap this up. Well, we love you guys. Take care. Have we'll a good see week. see you next week. Bye.